0: You are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome to Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Wes Goldberg, host of Locked On Warriors, here with Dave Romill, host of Locked On Heat. The league is on hiatus and it's a weird time for everybody. First, before we begin, just want to say, like, look, we understand how serious this pandemic is. We don't mean to make light of it, belittle it at any point, but this is is an nba podcast we're going to talk about its effect on the nba understanding that there is a whole lot more to worry about right now but if you're listening to this uh ostensibly you want to listen about you want to hear about basketball stuff and so we're going to talk about some basketball stuff um that said david i'm locked in my studio apartment in san francisco right now where the mayor just told me that i can't go outside unless absolutely necessary so i got nothing better to do let's talk about some basketball to the best that we can
1: Yeah, I'm all for it. I mean, anything to lighten the mood a little bit? I mean, to your point earlier, we're going to be talking about the coronavirus, obviously. I mean, it's the league and basketball in general in context of how it's being affected, whether it's a small aspect of the world at large or not. I mean, that's just, that's what this podcast is all about. So we're going to continue to bring it up and we're just going to try to do so in as positive and realistic a fashion as possible. With that said, it's being reported now that the
0: league may not reconvene until mid to late June. This obviously... Uh, extending that initial time, not timeline, but thir- at least 30-day hiatus, mm-hmm. which I think when we heard that, we kind of understood that that was a very much best-case scenario, that that was a very initial measure, that uh, this thing is probably going to go a lot longer, and as every day goes by, it seemed like a 30-day return was less and less likely, and now who is reporting that it's mid to late June uh, seems a lot more like a, a, a realistic uh, timeline, if, yeah. if even then. But obviously we don't know enough right now about this whole thing to, to see how it's going to play out. But if the league does return by June, uh, how should they restart the season? Because they still have some regular season games left, about 17 games, uh, 16, 17, 18 games for every team. I, it seems very much unlikely that they would just pick up where they left off and let those teams play out those games. Uh, maybe you do a handful of games at the end of the year just to let the rest of the non-playoff teams pick up a little bit of gate revenue or should they just start with the playoffs right away and just get right to it what do you think
1: that's that's really tough to answer because again the 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 overwhelming context for me is like what is the landscape of humanity gonna look like at this point i mean we're talking (laughs) about basketball and i mean while i don't think we're gonna slip into road warrior-esque post-apocalyptic world anytime soon it's not a dystopian bleak future just yet but i mean I, you know, is is basketball, like, going to be a pressing concern? Is, you know... I, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to wrap my well, mind let's around let's
0: talk it. about that. Let's, I mean, do you think that it should come back, even? Because I, I think that there's an argument to be made that uh, understanding... Look, this thing's going to get worse before it gets better. For sure. Um, I, I don't think we've reached that peak yet. No. And understanding where... When that peak occurs... And is going to largely determine when the NBA can come back. And whether or not that's mid to late June or or later than that, I have a hard time believing that the NBA would return when this thing is at its worst. I I think we would wait for the Valley to be noticeable. For us to come off of that peak, uh, I think at that point Adam Silver and the rest of the league could realistically broach the topic of, all right, let's play again. But I think there is an argument to be made that they should play again at some point because I just think morally, I think uh, socially, we probably will need something at some point that kind of brings us back to a little bit of normalcy. But there yes. are there are people arguing that they should just that it's un, it's not right to play this thing because it is so insignificant compared to what the re- was going on in the rest of the world. I think every side has a point. Uh, personally, I think that they should come back at some point because I just I think that it, uh, it we're gonna need it at some point. I, I don't think it's wrong for them to play basketball if we well, can indeed play basketball depending on the timing of everything
1: sure and and I think that's the overall question for me is if we're looking at a month or you know that's obviously the most optimistic date or two months, three months by that point already you're starting to push it. like if you're looking at basketball resuming in three months, I'm not sure that you can go ahead and restart the season at that point. I'm not sure if you can, because then you're going to affect the timeline for the following season as well. I mean, never mind. you you you,
0: start in the playoffs right away?
1: Yeah. And even then that would be pushing it. I mean, you're, 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 we've talked at at nauseum about fatigue being a factor for teams that go to the finals. Do you think about LeBron James and his regular workload having been in the finals, you know, 10 number of times consecutively over the last few years, et cetera. And, and, you know, he needs a long off season as much as possible in order to recover. I mean, you're looking at at 16 teams beginning the playoff grind in mid June, as optimistically as that might sound. And then who knows how long they'll be playing into. And then already you're starting to report the training camp by late September. I mean, that, yeah. that seems like it's a very, very short timeline. And if you're looking at, again, assuming that the world is fine and that somehow we're well in the process towards recovery. If you're looking at just a basketball perspective, next season would be you know potentially impacted by a number of players succumbing to injury because of the shortened off season and things yeah. of that sort. So I well that people have argued that this could
0: be the way that uh the NBA pushes its um playoffs and finals into the summer. That they that you might as well now start the uh regular season in December. You know, a lot of people have been pushing, oh, you know, December twenty fifth, like Christmas Day, that should be the start of the season i think that that's a little far back i think you're almost if you look I, not to go into this whole thing but if you end up starting the season on christmas day you're you're losing out on an opening day opportunity but i could see maybe you start at the beginning of december and then you still get your little christmas day bump but because uh, you wouldn't have
1: the nfl starting on
0: thanksgiving is, is you know, that what the conflict i haven't seen the-
1: this yeah i haven't seen this argument is this to avoid conflicting with football which is, is that's okay, right okay dominating the landscape yeah yeah Interesting. Yeah,
0: and I think people have. But to, like, look, none of this is going to be perfect. There's not going to be a, per- a perfect solution no, to any there. of this stuff right now. But uh, I think if you're Adam Silver, you want to be able to think about completely changing the calendar year on your sport um, more than just as a reaction to you know coronavirus and this whole situation. I, I think you want to give it a little bit more thought. But so um, as far as your, could, are your push that back,
1: yeah. As far as your original question, then I, I'm I'm kind of more of the. I think it's a wash because nobody's gonna be happy regardless. And so you're gonna you're you're gonna to start to alienate large groups of fans like, you know, I mean just teams that are potentially on the cusp of a playoff team. What happens to the other sixteen, you know, the other fourteen teams that aren't in the playoff race and they're competing for the top pick in the draft. I mean, none of this seems like it's super relevant at this point but if we're, we're talking about the nuances of when to start the season there are so many ramifications and just as a fan of a team you're going to want your team to be positioned as best as possible whether or not it's for the playoff race or for the draft or something yeah. we in between and so there are going to be so many questions like what what's you can't resume the season. I just don't think it's realistic to think that in, in, in three months, we're going to play the last 17 games of the regular season. I mean, so much can That's change. During, yeah, That's so much not. can change during that time span. I mean, we're talking about, in Brooklyn's case, Kevin Durant could theoretically come back in mid-June, and all of a sudden that team is a finals contender. And that seems a little, I, not unfair, but just, I mean, it's so weird to kind of incorporate all of a sudden a, a superstar level player Whereas, you know, that wasn't part of the equation just two weeks ago. Right. So, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of on the mindset that you just cancel the season outright. Like, I, I mean, I know wow. you're talking. Yeah, I, I'm, I mean, I hate to say it because, one, my job depends on it. My my happiness depends on it. I mean, like, <laughs> like so many of the people listening to this show, I mean, I love basketball. I love watching it as much as possible. And that just, I'm, I'm, it kind of hurts me to say it. But I just don't think that there's a realistic option. They're going to try to at least play the playoffs. I,
0: I don't. Look, canceling the season's obviously a lot. Like, that hasn't happened in a major American sport since the Ever? 1994 95 MLB season when Major League Baseball did it uh, because of the uh, player strikes. Yeah. That would be insane. Uh, I do think that there's a way to do it. it look, you, you said it before, I agree. There's not going to be a perfect solution. I, I I would hope at some point people would just be happy that any basketball is back, that people wouldn't be like, oh, well, now the the. Trailblazers can't get into the playoffs because you just ended right. the regular season. It's like no, all right, relax. I mean, the Memphis Grizzlies will get the eighth seed in the West. All right, we'll we'll move on. Um, so maybe you do a truncated playoffs where you know the first round is a best of five, so you the can way it used to be. get get through. Yeah, the way it used to be. I mean, maybe you know, maybe it's a best of three. Maybe it's a single elimination, just to give, just to do something. So because to have. To have the, the completely cancel the postseason, and I'm not saying that it's impossible, but there is a lot on the line. I mean, we're talking about a, a situation where LeBron James could have a ring taken away from him because I think the, a lot of people look at the Lakers as the favorite right now. Giannis could have an opportunity where he can't go get that ring, and who knows if he ever has a chance like he does again this season. Kawhi Leonard, does he have an opportunity now to, to earn two straight with two different teams, something that's never been done before? Uh, it's there's a lot of things hanging in the balance for these le- guys' legacies. Um, and look, I-, I know that in the greater scheme of things, they're, it's pretty insignificant, but if you're the NBA, it's literally what you exist for, so it's not insignificant for them. And right. uh, I-, I do think that at some point you have to do that, but it might be a situation where the NBA draft and the playoffs are all going on at the exact same time, huh. and we just we just sort of bunch all of our basketball stuff, You know, everything's just sort of sandbagged into this one thing, and then we just, all right, let's do that, Maybe cancel Summer League, go right or whatever it might be, uh, and and then try to go into next season uh, best they can. But um, let's take a break here uh, because I want to talk about the league's handling of the coronavirus um, because I think there's been a lot of, um, you know, looking at this over the last week and if they could have done better. But that's coming up next. Okay, I did want to talk about some of the armchair quarterbacking that's been going on, David, with how the league has handled this overall, but, I mean, there's been, for as much as the NBA may have blundered in a lot of people's minds, which I disagree with, but we'll get to that, uh, a lot of people have been really critical of of the NCAA and a lot of these leagues having to cancel their tournaments and and things like that and just how late they went with it. I know, like, the Big East literally played, like, a half of basketball before they decided to halt their tournament, but... uh, the NCAA came out and said, they're not postponing this thing. They have canceled March Madness completely, Yeah. which I think is undoubtedly the right move. But this has that is a dramatic effect on a lot of the players who are going to be a part of that tournament.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was just thinking about it as we were talking in the previous segment, how, you know, these players, so many of them take this opportunity of the, the tournament to kind of prove themselves, establish themselves, and maybe even cement how effective they are as players. Even from a Miami-based perspective, you think about how Dwayne Wade performed with Marquette back in 2003, cementing himself as a top five pick. I don't think anybody would have selected him in the top five without his performance in the NCAA tournament. And now so many of these players are going to miss out on an opportunity. And it's it's, it's just these kind of ramifications. We won't see them in the short term, but they're just going to continue to roll out as the time moves on. And all of a sudden you're going to see players that are, may not get drafted because they didn't have a chance to step up in big games or players that may have gotten drafted uh you know maybe they, they they'll get selected a little bit lower or higher than they expected to be so it, it's just it's going to be very weird i know this is kind of insignificant but again just kind of talking about how all of these impacts of basketball and how it's yeah. going to be intertwined over the next few months
0: um I, especially in this draft where there really isn't a right. guy sure. know, that everybody's in love with. So if somebody were to break out in the tournament, that could... Like, there was an opportunity for somebody to
1: possibly go from, like, late lottery or, like, not lottery to top There always five. is. Right? Yeah, there always is. There are, Somebody always uh, leapfrogs, Frogs. And I know... Look, we're even talking about what the, the Portsmouth Invitational and all these other combine right. events. I mean, those are all canceled now, too. You can't have any kind of performance or you can't have any kind of sessions like that it's, it's going to be so weird for these players like i mean how do you schedule workouts with teams you know and i, I mean they, this happens all leading up to the draft which is in early july and I, I mean this is the timeline that it might like you said it might be happening con- at the same time as the the playoffs if my if the team uh, if the league ones up resuming playoffs but you know it's it's uh right. it's a it's a challenge it's it's hard to kind of foresee how it all rolls up if you're one of
0: these top teams, or I shouldn't say top teams, one of the bottom teams with one sure. of the top picks, you need to make. You're going to have to make a really important decision with very little information. A very yeah, a lot less information relative to every other draft at this point uh, in a draft that's considered not very good in the first place. So, um, really with a, with quite a few international guys too in the lottery, right? That you can't go see anymore. You're not allowed to fly and go scout these guys. So uh, it'll be it'll be really interesting to see what happens there. Um, and, and just sort of related to this whole thing, I mean, I've noticed a lot of people over these last few days criticizing, uh, how the NBA and the teams have handled this coronavirus situation, that they said it it was foolish for them to even try to play games without fans, that owners should be compensating arena workers for missed games, and look, I don't disagree with that, but it just seemed really insane to me that, like, the when Giannis came out and said that he was going to donate $100,000, To arena workers, right? Yes. And everybody was like, all right, Milwaukee, where are are you, Bucks? Like, what's going on? It's like, all right, can you give them just a minute to figure it out? Because, I mean, I, I just, I thought it was so, like, okay, great, Giannis does this awesome thing. Let's criticize this other person. Like, can't we just, like, celebrate that Giannis is doing this thing? Like, Kevin Love is doing this thing? Great. Can't we just, like... Celebrate that they're doing this as an individual without getting their entire organization, just giving their organization organization a chance to like get their ducks in a row. And what ended up happening was, you know, you have a, you have teams like the Warriors and other teams like the Bucks. Like, I think the Bucks ended up uh, putting money into the uh, the HSA accounts of their workers. Um, the Warriors ended up uh, t- uh, giving it to them as a as a donation, as a as a you know as aid. And what that does is it, it eliminates taxes from it, which for these people is immensely helpful. Where if you get something as a gift, as you do from Giannis, you still get taxed for it. And so like, by giving them enough time to actually figure out what they needed to do financially, they ended up putting a really good plan together. And it just blew my mind that we were just immediately reacted to these organizations like, do the right thing. Of course you're not going to do the right thing, blah, blah, blah. It's like, I just wanted to give them a chance to do it. And the same thing goes for the entire NBA in general, where this whole thing was unprecedented. And people were like, look, how could you have possibly thought that you could play games in arenas without fans or any of these things? And it's just like, well, because there's so much money on the line. Like, they wanted to go to the very – like, they wanted to go – look, whether it was right or wrong, we'll figure it out. Uh, But – on one hand, you're saying that they should be paying these arena workers for missed games. And on the other hand, you're saying that they should have canceled games in the first place, which would have put those arena workers out of work sooner than they actually were. And yeah. it just feels like they couldn't have done anything right at any point.
1: OK, I, I I have not seen that criticism. I Honestly, I have not seen the criticism about the potential for having staged games without fans, because to me, honestly, I think that would have been the safest route. And we were talking about this before recording, just how much changed during that Wednesday when the the league actually enacted the suspension in the first place, where we, we thought these games would be, you know, played out before empty arenas, and and we were talking about the, the possibility of media covering these games, and, you know, that was before we knew how many people or, or how many, uh, the size of groups that would be limited to certain numbers, etc. So we didn't know whether or not we would be able to actually cover these games or not, but I, I don't see why you would criticize. What's the, I don't understand the criticism for these, for teams wanting to play games without fans. I mean, I understand you're removing the fan equation from it, but yeah, you make a good point. They they would stand to lose a whole hell of a lot of money by not having fans there. So if anything, you can't have... It seems like a dichotomy between both situations. Like I am I, 100% for criticizing or at least putting ownership on the spot. Because at the very least, whether or not they would have come up with a better plan like the Golden State Warriors did or other teams have, at the very least, they should have been immediate in, in posting something saying we're going to look into a situation to pay our employees as much as possible. And I think all large corporations, especially gay owners like this that are you know billionaires in many cases, they should have been very proactive in saying, look, we'll take care of our, our, our employees. Um, and I think that that should be a case for, for corporations around the, the, the country and the world, to be honest with you. But uh, as far as the, the, the games being played without fans, I mean, they're standing to lose a lot of money and I understand that, but it's not, I don't know. They're losing money. But they have enough to, I think, compensate their employees, at least over the next few weeks, as we're trying to kind of reassess how we're going to be, what what the situation will be like by the end of the month. My thing more so is just how everybody,
0: like, became a coronavirus expert on Twitter and (laughs) just immediately started knowing what the best thing for all these teams in the league was. Like, um, in this completely, we've never seen anything like this. And we can't even give these people, like... A couple of days or a week to figure out how to go about dealing with this. I mean, grant like NBA owners and NBA commissioners and a league office who are not trained in dealing with uh, epidemics and pandemics, just like we aren't trained to deal with epidemics and pandemics, to give them a little bit more time than we did on social media, I think was really problematic. And well, I just hated see I had to log off. I couldn't... And I, I want to be on Twitter. I want to get updates on what is going on. Sure, And it was just like, it was really bothersome to me. Like these people would come out and like the Rudy Gobert stuff, like
1: oh, well, that's a whole all of this stuff
0: like was just like the whole... People were just so quick to be angry and criticize people with any amount of power any amount of money, mm. more specifically, that it was really bothersome to me. And it kind of further solidified just how divided that everybody is in this country not That's to fair. go overly like meta meta and political but uh, it just I, I hated the reaction I thought it was really disgusting to be honest
1: well I, I, I actually I kind of liked the way that the league handled it I, I think they were I agree they were progressive they were fair they took their time and look the 30 day window we were talking about this too the 30 day window seemed realistic it's like well let's we don't know what's going to happen but our immediate concern is the health of our players of our coaches of our our team staff and of course of the fans I mean, you, you, I mean we've been to enough games where we see how players and fans interact shaking hands and stuff like that you have to be able to limit that the spread as much as possible we're all we're, we're living in a world now where we're trying to incorporate social distancing as much as possible. How do you have that play out in an arena filled with 15,000 fans, not to mention 80 team employees? It's just impossible. So I think they did the right thing and kind of saying, no, we have to put a, a halt to it immediately. Um, we have to kind of take a small time amount of time to reassess the situation. And even that obviously has changed over the last couple of days. And so to me, I think the league handled it as, as best as could be expected. I mean, you're looking at other leagues taking their time a little bit and, and dragging their heels. You're looking at other corporate. I mean, there are still airlines that are still flying people across the yeah. country. I mean, in, in an enclosed box 50,000 feet over the air. I mean, who knows what's spreading around in there. Uh, so to me, I, I think the league did a, a fantastic job of being proactive, fair, and trying to take everything into consideration in a relatively short amount of time. Let's get back to basketball really quick. Coming up, what teams will benefit the most from this suspension?
0: So if the league does indeed come back in June, that would give basically all these guys three months off, uh, at least to the playoff bound teams. What team do you think benefit Should we do this as a ranking, like top two, top three teams that would benefit the most? That Top three playoff teams that benefit the most from a 3 uh, three-month rest?
1: Yeah, and we're limiting it to just playoff teams, not the the bottom right. fourteen. Okay, yeah, um, yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, you know, but my big question, I think, is one I brought up earlier too. Are we looking at the Brooklyn situation and assuming that potentially you could be welcoming back both Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant? yeah. The, I think Rich Kleiman came
0: months. out on Monday and said that Durant wouldn't play regardless, right? Even if the playoffs started, but uh, we could uh,
1: let's That's assume that gross. Kevin
0: Durant doesn't play because oh, you think it's ridiculous? You think he should he would play?
1: I, if he's in three months, if the season started, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure. Like, he, I mean, he's already he's already working out. We've seen video of him working out. I mean, I don't, I can't imagine a guy like Kevin Durant saying, "No, I'm going to continue sitting out the rest of the season." I mean, I there's no, there's, I don't know. I mean, at this point, right, well, with, uh, it's
0: more fun. This this segment is way more fun if he does come back. So let's assume that he does that he can come back. That he hasn't been at least ruled out. So Kevin Durant comes back and he's whatever percentage of what he was because he's not going to be. Kevin Durant but he'll be some percentage of Kevin Durant um so I think that makes the segment more fun so let's assume that that's a possibility
1: all right
0: would he be be your number one team that benefits the most
1: yes um wow benefit now I'm thinking about it because I think even from a media perspective what I'm most interested in is the the heightened level of drama because you have the firing or sorry the the mutual separation with Kenny Atkinson you have KD coming into the situation who could have saved Kenny's job. Um, you know, you have the players that he's trying to fit alongside there, guys that he wasn't expecting to play with next season like Spencer Didwitty and uh, Joe Harris and others that are likely to, to you know leave a, a sinking ship. Um, I, I don't know. It would have been very interesting. I, I think benefits is, is tough to progress or, or kind of tough to gauge, at least for me. But, I mean, incorporating... At least a seventy-five to eighty percent worth of Kevin Durant. That makes that team pretty good. I, I I think they would probably be number one, regardless of the drama and everything else. I'd have to say incorporating Kevin Durant would make them probably the team that benefits the most.
0: Yeah, I mean, based on where they're at right now, I would have to agree with you. Sure. And that they're the they're currently right now the seventh seed in the East. They would play the Raptors in the first round, and Kevin Ooh. Durant arguably could be the best player on the floor at that point, uh, even coming off of that Achilles tear. Um, well, you pissed off a whole bunch of Toronto fans in five seconds or less. That was you know, impressive. It's a fact. That was a factual thing. I said could be. That's all I said. He could be the best player on the floor then. All due respect to Fred Van Vliet. But uh, I ah! think that, uh, that, that they could upset Toronto. And look, I think Toronto has a real chance to come out of the East. Okay, am I getting my Raptors fans back here? I think they have a real chance. Had the, had the playoffs started when they were supposed to start, they had a real opportunity to come out of the East. I think that they match up well with Milwaukee. Uh, they have size. They have things that you need to beat the Bucks. Uh, I would still pick the Bucks if I had to pick somebody, but they had as good a chance as anybody in the in the Eastern Conference, and that would be that would be really tough. The other team to me is it's an obvious one, but it's the Lakers because you could give LeBron three months of rest and oh, yeah. look. I know that a lot of these guys are still working out and doing their thing, but not everybody has the resources that LeBron James has. I mean, this is a guy who undoubtedly has his own. He has probably a. Uh, he's got a practice court at home, a workout room at home. I mean, he could do everything at home that he could have done at the Los Angeles Lakers facility, right? That is not the case for most NBA players. So you give LeBron James three months off of rest and just working on his body, and for him to just get right back on the bike in three months when the playoffs, if the playoffs start again, I would argue that that might be the team that benefits the most because there are still people who think that the Clippers can beat them in a seven-game series. I still side with the Lakers, but it's close. But you give LeBron three months off, uh, I, I don't even think that it's... A, it's That gives them more of an advantage in a series against the Clippers than it does even the Clippers getting a chance to get healthy with Kawhi and Paul George and the rest of their pieces. You give me LeBron James a three months of rest, that
1: is dangerous. But doesn't he always seem to kind of... You're right about the health aspect of it, but doesn't he always seem to kind of get better as the season progresses? I mean, we've certainly seen that this year. Where yeah. he's kind of just... Um, as a But so with three months off, you don't think that there would be an initial level of rust there that might kind of eat away at there whatever moment they built? There would be a lot less rust
0: with him Then I think there would be with a lot of other players. That's why I say get back on the bike. I mean, that this guy just is eats, breathes basketball. Like, if there's anybody that's going to suffer for some rust, I don't think it would be him. They I, don't I have any
1: that, lingering health issues either, right? There wasn't any kind of player that was missing significantly. No, he,
0: he would be resting and just getting his body right, and he would go from... You know, I mean, I agree with you. He tends to get stronger, and he always plays better in the playoffs. That's what makes him one of the greatest players of all time. But he's yeah. going to even take that up to another level because he's not going to be at 80% health or whatever. He'll be at 100% health. He's going to have three months off of not playing basketball. He will be at peak condition, peak physical condition by the time the playoffs start. He'll be able to just run through this thing.
1: Yeah. I, I, I can't it's not going to hurt disagree with him. That's you. That's for sure. No, okay. yeah, I, I think that's a good point. And, I, I mean, yeah. it would certainly be interesting to see how he would progress. I mean, I also look at you know, a couple of teams in the Eastern Conference, at least the Indiana Pacers, who were 7-3 and three right before the, the, the suspension took place, and they were yeah. building kind of momentum and trying to incorporate Victor Oladipo back into things. You get Oladipo back fully healthy and, and back to to prime shape, and all of a sudden that team is infinitely more dangerous than they were. You potentially welcome back Malcolm Brogdon. I mean, there were so many different factors there. You have a healthy Pacers team. Maybe you don't like their ceiling necessarily, but I think any healthy team has a a significant chance of improvement. But I also look at Miami, to be honest with you. I mean, they had a number of starters that had been lost uh, due to injury, and you're incorporating new players like Iguodala and and Jay Crowder, uh, Jimmy Butler. You know, he's been nursing some injuries over the course of the season. You get three months off for Bam Adebayo to kind of get back into prime shape, too, and I mean, that looks like a dangerous team already. So I, I, you can say almost every team would benefit from three months off, but I think it could work in some uh, to some teams' disadvantage as well as where they've been building up momentum, oh. and all of a sudden they lose momentum. Like Oklahoma City Thunder, I can't yeah. see that they'll kind of retain the momentum they had been slowly building over the course of the season. You could
0: argue the same thing possibly with Milwaukee. I mean, they were at such yeah. a break-nest, like 53-12 and 12 at the time yeah. of this, and now you're going to take that away I mean you're basically giving them a whole new season here yeah uh, it's or a whole off season here I mean would they be the same when they got back I don't know I don't know I also look at uh Houston I mean they, they're playing small they're probably there's they they started march, march off slow uh there's a lot of wear and tear on those bodies like giving them three months of time to get fresh and just sort of and blitz the playoffs with their small ball their super small ball that could be really interesting too. Uh, I I think that uh, right now they would be playing the Denver Nuggets if the playoffs restarted, and I would take them over the Nuggets after three. Interesting. Months of rest. I would, yeah, I yeah.
1: guess that, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, we're, we've kind of overlooked Philadelphia as well. I mean, getting Ben Simmons back, yeah. getting Joel Embiid oh, yeah. healthy. But I mean, the, the thing is with Philadelphia, their situation seems so so chaotic, and you know we, we're starting to hear more and more buzz about Brett Brown and his uh, lack of control and things of this sort. It's it's kind of hard to assume that they'll write the ship even with just a, a good amount of time to recover and be healthy, but it would, it certainly helps. But, um, yeah, it's interesting if we had to rank them. So let's look at Los Angeles being the top. Yeah. With Brooklyn, just, Brooklyn, maybe being the second most. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And, and then, then I've got, got to, I've got Houston as my number three. Interesting.
1: Okay. All right. I'll, I'll go with, uh, I'll go with Philadelphia despite their, yeah. their, their, the chaos.
0: Uh, and then team let's, let's just, let's finish it off with this team that, uh, it, it suffers the most because of this. If you just had we don't have to go 3 but just name one.
1: Mm. Oh man, that's a tough one.
0: Um I would say the thunder. Yeah. I I'd have to agree with you there, the thunder. Um if not the jazz. But
1: yeah, I mean, how do you uh how do you save that locker room knowing that Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert aren't exactly seeing eye to eye and a lot of other teammates are kind of upset with Rudy a little bit somewhat unwarranted, but, um, yeah, I, I kind of having to go back in there, they were kind of getting exposed towards the end of the season anyway, or whatever, building up towards the suspension. I wonder if, uh, it would be hard to kind of get that group together and say, all right, guys, let's, let's win one again. Let's go back on a our, on our winning track. I, I just don't see that happening. That's a good point. Yeah. All
0: right. Well, we'll see what happens. Hopefully, uh, by next week that we talk, we'll, we'll know more stuff and it doesn't get significantly worse, David, but, uh, Remember to listen to and subscribe to Locked on NBA on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts if you're on iTunes. Rate us, do us, say nice things about us. For David Vermill. I'm Wes Goldberg. Thanks for listening.